from the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me Chris joining me from the US. Chris, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. Usually, I like my guests to introduce themselves because, you know, it's the best way I believe someone can introduce himself or herself. So the floor is yours, Chris. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, I'm Chris Barkers. Um, I'm the CEO of BDCE. Um, we are the, uh, I guess you could say we are the, the parent company of Barkey AI. Uh, which is uh, a virtual uh, call center agent uh, product that, and that's uh, pretty much blowing away the um, the call center world in, in the United States right now, uh, as well as abroad. Um, we are also the parent company of Benson Lloyd Card Grading Company, which is disrupting the card grading agents, uh, card grading um, market as as we know it. It's, it's taken over. So we we are very proud of uh, of our two products right now. Great, and thank you for uh, your time today on on the show, Chris. So you know the first thing, Julia, I, I, I you know by curiosity I asked, like, what brought you in you know the area of AI, especially with Bark AI, and you know how did you envision its impact? You know when when you decided to to start it. Uh, certainly, that's a great question. Well, we started BBCE about um, in around 2015, and originally we started as a consulting company, and where mm -hmm. we wanted to um, businesses help optimize their processes and uh, help innovate um, with ideas. And at about that time is when um, you know was was when GPT two um, the that open source um, came came out and in about 2016 or so is when um we started really taking gpt2 and forming that into a product um to help with uh project um, um creation and, and project leaders and stuff like that and what that really basically surmounted to or started with was we would put in a bunch of information about the project you know, who was the stakeholders? What was some of the project code? Um, who do you go to for this? Who do you go to for that? So people could rudimentarily use it as a knowledge base and just use that as a real time. I have a question about X. Who do I go to to see for Y? And GPT-2 was able to answer those rudimentary questions through its, its library. Um, so from there, we were able to, um, you know, basically come up with a the the skeleton of what Barky is today, which is that AI system. So that's that's how we got into it. Then 
um, you know, more and more companies wanted it. So we wanted to more and more companies with this product. So that's kind of how we got into AI. Um, and then we grew with our AI engineers and they came up with better, better tools, how to hone RT. Um, and then finally GPT 2.5 came out and then finally, you know, this past year on GPT 3.5 or chat GPT came out, um, all of our past clients are like, why, why are people using this? We've been using this for the past three or four years. And we're like, I don't know. <laughs> That's great. So we were able to, um, be on top of that already. Great. So, so you were kind of pioneering that area. Did, did, you know, when, when ChatGPT, you know, came out to the public, did that, you know, affected the way, you know, I would say how you, you would plan, you know, who would be your ultimate customer, you know, you know, that, that did that some, did that do something, you know, that uh, forced you to change your strategy or like, because you were previously in, in the game, I would say, so, you know, just said, okay, fine. Like okay, this is another. Uh, maybe tool in the market that people can use. So, so how does you know the ChatGPT appearance at the uh, end of last year affected you know the strategy of of your company? Well, that's that's a great question, and how we answer that is when Chat when ChatGPT came out, it was such a, a great product because it uh, it took the GPT three point five library and it made it public to the masses. And when you make anything public to millions of people, millions of people will bring their ideas to the table and show what uh, what something can actually do and push it to its limits. So when we were using just GPT-2 or 2.5, um, or even 3 for that matter, when it was released, we were only giving it to a select few, you know, 100, 1,000 people at a time. So we were just using it for tech-based products. You know, how do we do this? How do we do that? And then when you give it to um, a massive amount of people, like what OpenAI did and gave it to them and started saying, um, you know, write a book uh, like a pirate. You know, we never thought of that. You know, mm -hmm. you know that had a capability. We just knew that, well, you know, how we could do it for coding and how we could do it for um, answer this question as a chatbot and stuff like that. So we took that um, information, what the public did, and we didn't took it a step further. We said, okay, we now know that it can do this. Now, what can Barty do now to get ahead of the tech curve? So we went back to our, our roots, and I have 20 plus years of call center experience before I was a consultant. And I said, well, you know, there's, a, there's definitely a, a gap in the marketplace where people call up. And, and there's a, uh, and they, they hate, they hate waiting on hold because whenever I was consulting and I ever had a problem with my VPN or problem with my password, I would have to call the help desk and the help desk would, you know, always put me on hold for 20, 30 minutes. And I hated that. And I said, it'd be great if I could just call somebody for a technical or entry level technical question and just have something pick up the first time I asked the question, it just do it for me in the back end and be done with it. And my AI engineers said like, yeah, you know what, with the current state of AI, we can do that with our tools and stuff. 
So that's how we developed Barkey AI. We developed an internal system, which allowed us to do speech to text and text to speech relatively fast. And then, um, we, we went to one of our call center, um, partners and we said, Hey, we have this new tool. Can we put it into, um, testing with you? And they said, sure, please, by all means, here's a client. Let's do it. And we took over 500,000 phone calls for them and they loved it. They, it was amazing. So we said, hey, let's bring us to market. Great. So, and I'm asking you this, Chris, to, you know, also kind of as a, maybe guidance. And I will ask you at the end about, you know, your uh, thoughts for uh, fellow entrepreneurs. But for now, do you think because you narrowed down, you know, the problem and you narrowed down, you know, who is your ultimate customers that will benefit from AI, this uh, you know, contributed to the success of, of Barky AI. And yeah, I would say that, you know, we, we narrowed it down through the possibility of not just who our ultimate customer was, because at the end of the day, we want everybody to be our ultimate customer because personally, um, as a, as an individual consumer, as a, as just a baseline consumer, I use Barky AI as my voicemail. I know mm -hmm. Apple has a great voicemail platform right now where you can actually see the voicemail as it comes in and you can see it transcribed in real time. But personally, I use Barkey AI as a voicemail tool. So when somebody calls me, um, it will actually um, have an entire conversation with the caller. So I, for example, I had, a, I had a doctor's nurse call me yesterday and she had to um, uh, reschedule an appointment I had. And Barky AI took care of that from the front, from the very beginning of the phone call, the end of the phone call, by checking my schedule, by checking my calendar, saying, um, yeah, we can take care of that between two and three. And then at the end of the phone call, sent me a text message, sent me a calendar invite, took care of all that. So at the end of the day, I mean, um, Barky AI has, uh, has a ability to have everybody be a customer of it, not just the not just a, a corporate client, but what, what really set Barkey AI apart from, you know, anybody else was that we were able to be ahead of the curve mm -hmm. and when we were able to do that is not be such a large corporation. Like you see so many corporations being so large and we are so, so small and so nimble that I have, I give my engineers, I give my developers free reign to say, Hey, I see this change of direction. Let's go for it. Let's, you know, instead of being a big cruise ship trying to turn around, let's be a small kayak that we can mm -hmm. turn around and walk. And, you know, I've had faith in them. I trust them. And if we, if we mess up, hey, no problem at all. We can erase it and fix it tomorrow. So, um, you know, we made some slip ups in the past and uh, we've, uh, we've owned up to them and we said we're sorry and uh, we've uh, made it better. So, that's how, that's how we're able to do it. Yeah. Um, great, uh, insights from you, Chris. Now, you know what, when I was preparing something caught my eyes, like actually it's not like you currently leading the company, uh, but also you have the technical background and you know, you have the knowledge of how these frameworks work in the back end. So a lot of people come sometimes to me because 
I'm I, an AI enthusiast, I can call myself, right? Like I know the high level behind, but how easy it is today to get into this field. And because I've seen, you know, you, you, you work on not only the frameworks of open AI, whether it's the, you know, Tally 2, and now they have Tally 3, Whisper, and, you know, GPT 3.5, but also, you know, there's the back end part of it, like, you know, Python and, uh, you know, the database, data lakes and all this. So now if someone, Chris, want to start in this career, right, do you think they have to, uh, to go from the basics or because of the AI today, actually they can start from a more up level and get into the game more easy. Oh, definitely. You can definitely get into the, into the AI space relatively easy. There are tutorials everywhere on YouTube, on, on the internet as a whole, um, just through, uh, um, you know, the, the academic, um, um, you know, storefronts and whatnot, um, that you could take within a, within a few days and, and get a, get a great understanding. Um, there's a couple of YouTubers that, uh, I, I recommend, um, following, um, that you can get into and they show you front, front to back, step one to step end, how to create an LLM, how to, um, make it so that you can, um, oh God, the, 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 the term just, uh, left my mind, but you can parallelize it with other LLMs to basically, um, have more, more LLMs running in parallel with each other. Um, and then, um, and you're able to get that set up in, in less than an hour. And then mm -hmm. if you have that, you can add in image gener uh, gener uh, generation on top of that. And then the world is yours after that. You, you get those basic concepts down and you figure out how do I, how do I flip that? How do I pivot that into something that nobody else has done? And then you figure, if you figure how to do that and make a website out of that. I know that sounds like it's like a huge thing, but there's, there's website tutorials and there's uh, easy to build websites that are already made for you. You just have to do some plug and play. And you find a, you know, somebody who's crazy enough to get along with you on this journey. And for just a, a minimal um, fee of just, you know, heck, I think if you go with AWS or Azure, they give you money. They give you start them. You know, they say you get so many credits for free. And you can just um, use a start at this that initial credit. Put it on TikTok for first. Like, look at this new thing and um, get people go to it. Uh, you probably have something going on about a week or two, and they have a, a huge thing going on. Um, personally, myself, when I hire developers or I hire AI engineers, mm -hmm. um, I I don't look for people who have 15, 10 years experience. You know, I look for people with passion. I'm looking for people who have that drive and who have that, I want to learn mentality. So when, when people come in and they say, well, uh, I tell them that we use AWS, we use this type of image generation, we use this and that. And they say, well, I don't know what I said. That's perfect. I don't want you to know it. I want you to learn on the job. 
is when you learn on the job, that's what makes you better. Um, right. and, uh, and because we had, we had trained anybody, you can train anybody to do anything. You train me to code, but when you hire people who have that experience, they're kind of trenched into this, is the way we do it, this is the way, all the way to do it. So that's, that's the point I'm trying to drive to is that, you know, anybody who wants to learn how to do this, anybody who's new, anybody who wants to know how to do AI, um, you know, there's, there's incredible YouTubers like Nicholas Vernat, Tech with Tim. There are total people off the top of my head, um, mm-hmm. teach you how to do this stuff. And in just a week, maybe two weeks, you can have some of that off the ground, ready to go. Yeah, so that's a great one. And actually I was reading a book today by, uh, one of my guests, he sent me the copy, uh, Zach Ratner and, you know, he mentioned something similar when he was starting, you know, his company and he wanted to hire his, his first, um, you know, web developer actually. So he hired someone with a background, which is not technical, but uh, she just uh, attended a coding bootcamp and he saw this ambition and the passion. So, you know, and I love these approaches because it's also giving, you know, the, you know, some people who are talented, the chance to show, you know, that they can do the job maybe better than, as you said, someone who had like maybe 10, 15 experience. So it's like about the attitude, as you mentioned, Chris. And I really, I love, you know, this approach. Now, again, one thing that, uh, you know, uh, I, I saw in, in your bio is about uh, using AI for counterfeit proof systems. Um, so, and this caught my eye because, you know, I have also like, um, you know, passion to, to, to see how AI can solve different problems and want to hear from you, like how you leverage AI in, in this use case. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my other, my other, uh, company that we have going on, is uh, um, Vincent Lloyd card grading company and, uh, trading cards. Um, if you may or may not know, has grown significantly since, uh, the pandemic on the, it's a multi-billion dollar a year business. And mm-hmm. whenever you have a, a growing business like that or a growing trend like that, it's bound to um, have counterfeits or bad actors come in with counterfeit or spoof cards. Um, you know, one of the uh, the number one draft pick, Victor Rombalia, um, his r- rookie card is the most counterfeit card out there. There's estimates that 17% of all of his draft cards are counterfeit. Mm. And so when you, when you, or a buyer and you want to buy one of his draft, one of, one of his uh, rookie cards and you're going on eBay or you're going to a trade show. Um, these counterfeit cars are so good because the printing is so good nowadays that you don't know if it's, if it's a counterfeit card or not. And it, you're just, you had to buy from a reputable seller and even that reputable seller might be, might be, uh, when you don't know, I'm not saying that they all are, but you, you don't know. And we have found out because we've actually taken um, interviews with former card graders who work with the major card grading um, companies. And we've asked them, like, can you tell us about what you've done in the past? And they've told us some secrets about uh, what has gone on in the back rooms and stuff. And it's, it's horrifying to hear about how card grading has really become more of a, a money-making operation than, than, a, um, you know, something for the hobbyists, something for the investors, 
you know, it's, it's shocking. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a card collector myself. I've been typing cards for quite some time and I want to, I want to know, I want to be assured that when I get a card, that's, it's a, it's a, it's a non-counterfeit card. So what we've done at uh, BBCE and, and Vincent Lloyd Hargrey is we actually developed an AI that um, will actually take uh, basically a micro uh, microscope that's two hundred two thousand times magnification a picture of your card, and this is this this is a this is about the magnification of looking at an ant's leg from a football field away. Wow, that's the magnification we're looking at at a card. If you think about a, a card, it's about, you know, yay big. I mean, I've got one right here. It's about, it's about, about yay big. And you look at this card with a 200,000 magnification. We take a picture of it and then we store it. And not, and we, I, I mean, when you store that card, you're looking at all the bumps, all the imperfections, all the scratches all the little nooks and crannies that you can't see with the naked eye. And then we, uh, we look at, uh, we also have a laser that takes the laser grid at it and measures it from top to bottom, side to side, and takes a top graphical image of it. And then we also have a spectrometer that measures it as well to see what kind of, you know, the type of paper was um, printed on and the color vibrancy it was. Um, printed with, and then we took all those factors and measure them uh, with an actual car that was printed from Tops or, or Panini or et cetera. And then we see if that's a counterfeit card or not with all those factors put in together. And then we store that card digitally in the cloud with all those factors. And, and then we also imprint that into a microchip with a patent pending microchip that's embedded into the label of the card. Mm -hmm. So. When that card is encased in a slab, I have one right over here. So that card is encased in a slab right here, like this. Um, you can't see it, but embedded in this label right here, you will have that mark, that topographical, that um, that magnification, and that uh, um, that um, spectrometer information embedded in this card. So if somebody tried to swap this card for another card. For like a counterfeit card, you, you can't because we take this card out, measure that test again, and see if there's a scratch over here mm -hmm. on the counterfeit card. If not, that card was switched. Cool. And then back, back to your other your counterfeit tools you're talking about. This slab right here, this is a promo slab right here. But on our on our uh, slabs that we give to the public. This slab here has over 15 anti-counterfeit measures that rival the U.S. Mint. So we actually have a, a former person, a person that works for the, who used to work for the U.S. Mint, who helped consult us on creating ways to uh, um, protect these cards from counterfeit and these labels from being counterfeit. So we, uh, we protect these more than the U.S. hits their dollar bills in, in some ways. Wow, that's really a, a great use case for using AI, especially, and I think it's only about cards. Maybe it can be applied to 
you know, different things also as well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I get, I get hooked actually by by this. Now, like talking, you know, from shifting from talking about the technology to the the, the business side. Um, so I know for BCE, uh, you know, you achieved incredible growth, and you didn't rely heavily on marketing on social media, right? So can you share? the philosophy behind this approach that you took? Yeah, yeah, it's quite amazing when we, when we talk to people. The, uh, when we started off um, with, with the consulting side, I just, my first, my first client was a, 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 somebody I met um, uh, through, through work. And I, I said, hey, this is what I'm doing now. Would you be interested? And I said, yeah, I'll all hire you. And then, um, one thing led to another and, and uh, he referred me to somebody else. And then one thing led to another and they referred me to other, two other clients. Then I said, okay, this is getting too big. I need to hire somebody else. And then um, that person I hired was, was too good. And then we got eight other clients. And then I never needed to rely on social media because it was all word of mouth. So we never had a social media page. We never had a website. It was just all word of mouth. You had to know somebody and know somebody. So whenever, whenever somebody said, Hey, I needed somebody to help optimize my business. I needed somebody to help make me successful. Um, somebody said, well, you need to talk to Chris at BBCE. And then, um, once, uh, once we developed Barkey, um, how that started going was that we had a client using Barkey and one of their vendors came in and said, what's this tool? And they said, oh, this is Barkey. Well, who developed it for it? It was Barkey. It was Chris at BBCE. Well, we want this tool. Well, here's his information. And then it's kind of grew like wildfire from that. So we never really had the need for a, a you know, a website. We just wanted to be kind of just uh, very much, you have to know a guy to know a guy. Because um, we wanted to keep it very, you know, um, we didn't want to grow too fast, too quickly. Um, and then the same thing with Barky uh, AI when we came up with that because we didn't want Barkey AI, AI to fall under bad actors because hmm. if you understand the, the power that it had, and we demonstrated to some people of what it could do if it fell under bad actors, we want to vet these people who buy a license of Barkey AI and make sure that they're using it for good and not evil. Um, I mean, you can do some wild things with it. So we want to make sure we bet them and not just sell it to any, anybody who buys it. So we want to make sure that we bet it and make sure that everybody who buys the license is using it for its intended purposes, not just for you know, willy nilly stuff. Yeah. For, for, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but for Vincent Lloyd, um, you know, we were active in the card collecting community, as I've said earlier, and uh, I just showed it to a, to a friend of mine. And I'm like, hey, we developed this. What do you think of it? It was just a passing thing. And, and he's like, I love it. And then he accidentally showed one of his friends and he showed one of his friends. And all of a sudden we have 50 people in a private alpha. And that private alpha got leaked onto the internet. And all of a sudden somebody showed it on TikTok. And then our private alpha URL got leaked. And all of a sudden we had, you know, 1,500 2000 people sending me cards. So now my wife has all these boxes in our living room full of playing <laughs> old uh, trading cards 
And I'm like, okay, well, I think we got our, we got our answer if this is going to be good for the market or not. Wow. That's fascinating actually. And sometimes, you know, I, I have this uh, belief that if you're doing something really good, outstanding, uh, you know, and do not be misunderstood by anyone, you know, each one has his own or her own use cases. But I believe, you know, in, in, in this organic growth and word of mouth and, you know, like getting referrals, um, you know, sometimes it's much worse to spend maybe some time. And you talk, and this is why I want to ask you here, Chris, like you talk a lot about being customer centric. So how, how important to be um, customer centric and, you know, and you know, be able to, to, to satisfy your customers so they would refer you uh, to, to other people to other companies to to have your service well this answer may surprise you because we don't think of ourselves as customer centric we think of ourselves as employee centric we think of our employee i don't call them employees i call them team members we mm -hmm. think of our first first and foremost and they are so happy with with you know what they do um you know we, we, we believe in a 32 hour work week. Um, when I was talking to, um, one of our two members yesterday, cause we had, um, Monday off and I, I, I'm like, I think we get 32 pay time, pay days off a year, you know, with all the holidays and we get like, uh, coming in April, um, we get like your, whatever you work at, like if you work in New York, you get the Yankees home opener off. Or you get the, like for me, I work at Kansas City, so I get the Kansas City home opener off. You get that off and you get all these little fun holidays off. And you have a um, four weeks paid vacation off mandatory, plus unlimited pay, pay time off as well. So we really see ourselves as employee centric and that really creates a fever. And when that, you create that fever, it really um, trickles down to the customers. So like with our customer service, um, department, they really have that, that fire and that energy to go above and beyond to help our customers because they know that, Hey, um, I want to help this customer solve their, um, their, their problem at the very first call, the very first instance, and our business development people really want to find the best solution for them. So they can really just solve their problem at the very, uh, at the very onset. So uh, this causes that fever. And then, um, when, when your customers see that, how energetic your employees are with, um, your, your company or your organization, they get swept up in it as well. And they're just, they become an advocate of yours. And then that, that, uh, that just causes more and more of that rush of adrenaline. So they say, they go to their friends and their, um, colleagues and say, you got to check these guys out at Barky. You got to check these guys out at BBC. These guys have something going on. And then we have all of a sudden we have this huge influx of people that we don't know what to do with because there's so many people that want to say, we want more and more and more. So it's, it's quite, it's quite the feeling. hundred percent. And I think, uh, you know, it's crucial because if, if, if the team members uh, and teammates are, are happy, this will make Definitely the customers happy because, you know, they, they will, they, you know, they, they will be eager to, to, to serve at, at the best. So hundred percent on this. Now, uh, 
I know, like, you know, I was, you know, as preparing and I love to go and check, you know, some, some stuff that, you know, might trigger. So you, you appeared on some uh, podcasts before and uh, I've seen like some of them, they created a lot of buzz. So uh, did that, you know, also help in, in spreading, you know, the words about uh, BBC and Barky? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I don't want to earlier, but you know, I've appeared on this past pod, I've appeared on this past, past podcast and, uh, you know, a lot of people went and listened to it and it, it drew a, a lot of attention to it and to the Barky name and, and to my social media channels and it, it, created, it created a lot of, um, interesting dilemmas for me because, um, not to be boastful or anything like that, but my personal TikTok channel got a lot of attention because a lot of people wanted more and more content for me and I'm on the content period by any means. So I have to figure some way to outsource that, but regardless of that, um, but you know, that last podcast there, um, became his number one podcast that was ever listened to. Um, so, you know, hopefully that's the same thing for you soon, but <laughs> no, um, I work, I work, um, you know, when, when people hear that, you know, when my clients and, you know, my customers hear or my team members hear that, you know, Barky is being talked about or when Vincent Lloyd is being talked about or BBC is being talked about it, people want to know what's coming up, what's new, what's, what's being teased, what's, what are they going to do next? You know, uh, they always want to know what's, what's the next thing over the bridge. Cause we come out with some innovating innovation. Um, you know, it's kind of like when Apple does their, their podcast event or not their podcast event, excuse me, where they're, they're doing their iPhone reveal or their mm -hmm. iOS reveal. They always want to know what's going to be said, what's, where they're going to reveal. So they always want to know what's that next thing. What's that next thing. So they always show up to the listen to see now, what can we break? Well, what can we do? So, um, a lot of people show up to hear. Great. Yeah. Uh, hopefully same thing will happen. Actually, I had these moments. So the appearance of some guests, uh, you know, like, you know, usually like it's uh, for me, you know, that's like the graph looks like this. And all of a sudden, like, you know, it goes up because I, we, we talked about something provoking or maybe technology that they were interested in. So let's see. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, yeah, for, for me, Chris, just for you to know, and I mentioned this during the podcast, like I do this to inspire as much people as I can. And for me, if even one listener or someone, if he's watching or she's watching, they get inspired by my guests and what we discuss and the conversation, I'm more than happy. If that goes viral, okay, that's cherry on top, right? So this is the way I, I love to, to, to see it. Now, Chris, because you are, you know, we talked about the AI, I'm bringing you back, but just to talk now about future trends and, you know, how you are seeing the future, whether it's for what uh, you do currently with Barky and the BBC and, you know, the AI in general. So what trends we are seeing to, to happen in the near and mid future? Because I, I don't like about to ask very long in the future because this is something it, it becomes like, Guessing, I would say. Yeah, what I'm saying near and in, in near future is people be more wary of what is real and what is AI. Um, 
because we we recently had the uh, the Mr. Beast uh, scandal. I don't know if you heard about that, but yeah, yes. somebody did a fake Mr. Beast, um, and he they made an ad of him, and um, some people um, fell for that. Unfortunately, so more and more people um, or more and more bad actors will be doing that because they saw that was successful. And as AI becomes cheaper and cheaper to do, more and more people can do that. Um, so, I mean, you're going to see AI, AI get cheaper and more efficient. And so that's going to be easy to do. Um, that's why, as I mentioned before, that's why marketing AI doesn't do a lot of promotion because um, we have had some um, behind the door demonstrations of what Barthi AI could do from a bad actor standpoint. And um, we've actually had people say, wow, we, we cannot do this um, because of the possibilities of what it could generate. So um, that's why we, we really vet people with Barthi AI before we even let them have a license with it. Um, so I see that coming up as, as AI being used as a more of a bad actor than as a good actor. Um, but AI will continue to become cheaper and cheaper, more and more efficient. Um, I've, I've seen um, a lot of people create um, social media um, using AI as, a, as an actor, uh, as a sense, and generate huge followings of people just to um, gain clout. And mm-hmm. uh, I can tell because, you know, we have tools behind the scenes to see if an AI image has been generated by AI or not. And we have seen these huge, um, you know, Instagram accounts sprout up with, you know, you know they have a, a pretty lady or a handsome man just generate, you know, like, hey, you know, here I am working out or whatever, just gain clout. And then what they'll do is they'll sell that Instagram account this to a, another bad actor who will use it for a, a, a scam or something like that. So I will see that. I see that as being a, a, a trend, unfortunately. Um, but that's, that's what I see is, it, you know, we need to, uh, um, as a, as a community, as a population, what we need to do is prepare ourselves and teach ourselves, you know, how to recognize these, um, swindlers as I like to call them and, mm-hmm. you know, not fall victim to that and just prepare ourselves for what's, what's the, what's ahead. Yeah. And that would take, I agree with you, Chris, and that would take a lot of, uh, effort from people like you and me and others to educate people about, you know, um, I would say spotting, you know, these, uh, bad actors in action. Um, it's a challenge, honestly, but I'm also optimistic because I believe AI will help us fighting this at the same time. So, you know, figure crossed, I would say on that, but hundred percent, you know, like this is, you know, something as we come to an end, Chris, you've been in in the industry for a long time enough and you've seen it all, I would say from, from AI data and you, 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 you work on building teams and because this show is targeted, you know, it's called the CTO shows, of course, with, the audience are CTOs and people in tech, but also, you know, we talk a lot of about entrepreneurship and, you know, starting up. 
So if you want to, to give advice uh, for public entrepreneurs looking to, to, to make the mark in the tech world, I would say, and maybe they are thinking to start or maybe they have just started. So, you know, a couple of, you know, wisdom words from your side to them. Oh, my gosh. The, the, I had somebody come up to me, I think it was two weeks ago, and um, they, they asked me, you know, they wanted to start a, an online business. They wanted to sell coffee mugs. And they were telling me, you know, well, how do I sell coffee mugs? And they want to do a dropshipping business. And I said, well, first of all, there's millions of dropshipping businesses. So you have to find, of course, the number one thing is to find your niche. And everybody hates that because every, well, I, I can't do that. Well, that's your thing. You, you got to be ahead of the curve. And everybody hates that too. They hate hearing that you have to be ahead of your curve and you have to find your niche. They hate that. And then they hate hearing that you have to have capital because nobody has, nobody has money. And then. Not only that, but once you figure out how much capital you have, you have to 10x it because it costs a lot of money to start a business because you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And uh, I know that I made a lot of mistakes and you're going to, you'll find out who your true friends are and who will, you know, stand behind you, who will stand next to you and, um, who will fall way behind you. And you'll meet new friends and you'll meet new enemies and you'll meet people that you, you, you can't stand, but you have to trust and you'll meet people that you can't live without and, but you have to sit with them. And, uh, it's just, uh, I mean, starting a business is the hardest thing that you will ever have to do. And you have to keep every day, you have to get up and, and grind and you, you, you go back and I was saying to myself. You go back to when you're in high school or in college and you're sitting there in your, your most boring class possible. And you just look at your watch and you're like, man, I can't wait till I'm out of school. And then now you're out of school. Now you're, you have, you're an entrepreneur. You're like, man, I, I'm my own boss and I hate it. I wish I could go back to college and be back bored and. It's just, but the, but the, but it's worth it because you, once you put in all the hard work and you get everything going, you get the engine going, you get everything turning, um, you know, it, it's all worth it. And the, the last piece, piece of advice I give is don't listen to any device that anybody gives you either, because everybody's, everybody will say that they're a guru. Everybody will say that they know what they're talking about. And at the end of the day, nobody knows what they're talking about. Everybody, everybody's path is different. My path is different than yours. Your path is different than mine. Um, some people get, some people get it the easy way. Those people are lucky. Some people have to fight tooth and nail and, and those people are, are unlucky. And that's just what life is. You know, my, my path was more difficult and it sucked. Some people just get a spark and they get it right away, you know? Those people are lucky and that's the way it is. And see people will charge you, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to tell you how lucky it is to be like them. And that's just it. They're just going to tell you how lucky life is. And I can tell you right now that life is not lucky. It's just, it's going to be lucky for them because you're giving them $2,000, but don't listen to anybody. Just listen to yourself, listen to your heart, um, read books, 
and uh, don't listen to any advice. Just figure it out. Wow, I love this, Chris. And uh, the other, I think I, I, you know, I don't know what's the verb now, but I put it on on Twitter because I put such things on X or Twitter. And I wrote, you know, if someone is telling you, pay me money to become X, Y, or Z, pr probably, probably you are being scammed. I mean, not scammed in, in, the, in the bad way, maybe, but you cannot become a copy of someone else. And if you think, you know, like, I'll take this course and I will become Chris, or I'll take this course and I'll become Mehmet, that doesn't work this way. I felt this trap when I was younger and I figured out, no. Like, every person, because, you know, we are living in a multi-dimensional world, and I believe in this philosophical, I would say, uh, you are in a particular place, particular time, particular situation around you. You cannot be similar to someone else. Like, you, you can learn from their methodologies. Maybe you can learn from their mistakes that they share, but you cannot become that. So, you know, I love this, Chris. Um, Chris, where, where people can find more about you and, uh, you know, your, your businesses? Well, we do have a website for Barky AI. It's uh, downloadbarky.com. You can download our, webs our, our our app from there. You can find me on LinkedIn at Chris Barkers. And, um, I mean, you can always email me at CEO at barkyai.com. Great. I will make sure I will put uh, this information in the show note. Chris, anything that... I should have asked or I should have, you know, discussed with you today. Well, I mean, one thing that we do have coming up in this, the, the big tease that everybody's looking for is that, uh, um, I have a, a college roommate and I, and we always have these text messages going back and forth about what if scenarios, um, and they, and always deal with these off topic things. And, um, one of them, one of the things that we always do during our meetings, when we ever have a meeting with Barkey or with um, Vincent Lloyd, is to start with a, a really off-topic question, and um, um, and people always say it would be really nice to hear what would happen if we had a full thirty to forty-five minute discussion about these what-if questions. So my buddy uh, Tim and I decided to have this little, I don't, I don't want to promote it on here, but it's a little bitty, um, mini podcast, if you will, called the Beaver and Otter Show. And it's nothing big. It's, it's nothing, it's not a, it's not a business of any sort. Um, but we're going to intertwine it with some AI guests. So we've done that in the past where we actually went on Twitch with two AI characters and had them intermingle. <laughs> and so we're going to bring on like, like Shrek, for example, and have Shrek be a guest. We're going to bring on, you know, um, his, you know, Darth Vader and have him be a guest and just, you know, use the Barky AI engine and just do that and just, and see what nice. happens. Um, and it might just go through shows and be a flop, but, um, you know, um, the, the fans of Barky always want content and they always want to hear stuff. And, uh, um, Tim and I, we were in a comedy troupe back in college and, uh, we're, we're friends for, you know, over 25 plus years now we talk daily. So, uh, um, it's not a, it's, it's, you know, you probably, like I said, probably go three episodes and flop. So we'll see about that. But that's, that's the big thing that we're teasing. Um, uh, no new company yet. 
Uh, so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, good luck with that. Actually, I had this thought because before I, I shifted my podcast to a interview format, I was doing solo episodes. And, you know, I started in Jan and when Bart came out, I had an idea of bringing ChatGPT, you know, using, of course, like something like 11 Slab or something and Bart and let them ask each other's questions. But then I felt the idea, you know, I don't know like how to do it, but yeah, it's, it's a nice idea actually. So, so a good one uh, to, to, to learn about it. You're working on it, Chris. Well, Chris, you know, uh, the, the time, you know, flew really like I, I, your conversation was really insightful. A lot of uh, uh, information and useful hints, especially, you know, regarding how to start with AI and, you know, how to build the business, how to rely on employee first mentality and we talked also about you know um the entrepreneurs and how they should figure it by themselves so really a lot of insights in today's episode thank you very much for sharing that with us today and as usual this is how i end my episodes like guys if if, if you have any feedback any um recommendations please let me know i'm you know, enjoying reading your feedbacks and I'm urging every episode not only to say like it's nice, of course, I love to read these ones, compliments, but I love to hear some uh, constructive feedback from you with anything, any topic you want me to bring, maybe some, you know, stuff that you want me to change also as well in, in, the, uh, in the podcast. I would love to hear that also from you. So thank you very much for tuning in and we'll meet again very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Subscribe button, share the show with your tech savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us.